Hello, it's Tuesday the 18th of January. I'm Gary Bellman. On today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Lombok-based travel filmmaker Josh Edwards. So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Hello, wherever you are in the world, and thanks for listening in. So on today's show, I'll be chatting about capturing adventure travel on camera with Josh Edwards, who is a Lombok-based travel documentary filmmaker. Josh's career has taken an interesting twist during the pandemic as he relocated to the beautiful Indonesian island and set about producing, among other things, an engaging YouTube series called The Lombok Life. So Josh, thanks for coming on to the show. How are you doing today and where are you right now? Hey Gary, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on, I appreciate it. Uh, right now, I'm sat in my office on the west coast of Lombok. Uh, I imagine your listeners, most of them maybe already know where Lombok is, but when I'm describing it on a map, I just usually say Lombok is the island next to Bali, <laughs> and usually people can figure it out from there. So yeah, all is good here in Lombok. The wet season is in full swing, so lots of rain. <laughs> Great. It's a beautiful part of the of the world, beautiful part of Southeast Asia. We've got plenty to talk about, Josh, so let's get cracking. And, and first of all, let's start by, by going back a little bit. You grew up in the UK, you're from Liverpool, and you studied history at Leeds Beckett University. So at what point did you realize that travel and filmmaking would form a big part of your life? Yeah, I've always, um, always loved history. Like, if you compare it to to maths or chemistry, which you you maybe have to force me to study, you didn't have to force me with history. I was always kind of fascinated about it, you know just understanding why did humans do what they did in the past, how has that shaped the world we live in today, and what can we learn from it. So I studied history at uni; it felt like a natural fit. Um, but slowly, I kind of realised I wasn't necessarily that academic, and by my third year. I realized I probably wasn't going to do some sort of academic job as a career. So research and writing, I was kind of realizing maybe that's not my thing. And I caught myself kind of distracting myself from writing this big, long dissertation. I'd head out into, I was studying in Leeds. So I'd walk around the city and I started taking photos on my iPhone 5, I think it was at the time. It was a kind of a time, it was a time when Instagram was gaining traction and you had YouTube with all these different creators, photographers and videographers. So it's kind of like this endless source of inspiration and you could teach yourself photography and videography. So I, I started falling down the rabbit hole of photography. So it started on a phone and then, you know, you get your first camera. I think I got a secondhand Nikon on eBay and, you know, eventually started experimenting with video. It, it really sucks you in. I'm sure if some, somebody's listening, they can identify with that. So it was very much a hobby to begin with, photography and, and video. And then I had the classic conundrum of you get to the end of university and you, you know you come out of the education system and it was a it's a question of okay, what now? So I think university has a funny way of helping you, or at least it helped me figure out what I wanted to do because even if you don't end up pursuing a career in what you studied, it, it kind of pushes you in a certain direction and it makes you you know you start thinking okay what is it i'm gonna do for the rest of my life so i was i was watching a lot of different creators on youtube they're traveling around the world beautiful photos making videos and i, I decided ah, i'll 
give that a go. Let's see what I can do. I, I really had no idea where it was going to take me or how things were going to pan out. But I, I believe when you're in your 20s, especially, it's it's just a good time to to get out there and experiment, try different things and, and try and find out what you do enjoy. So after uni, I got a bar job, worked very hard for eight months and yeah, ended up with a, a one-way ticket to Melbourne and off I went to Australia. <laughs> well, that leads nicely into the next question. You, you have done various things, various roles since you left university, but travel does play a central part in your filmmaking. You've shot films in places like the UK, Iceland, Berlin and Istanbul, but it does seem that traveling in Australia had, had quite a big impact on your life and your career. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Australia was, I'd probably speak for a lot of people when I say this, Australia was like my first big travel experience. So, you know, previously I'd maybe done school trips, family holidays, or you go go for a week away with your mates. But this was the first trip where I was sort of fully in the deep end, you know, out there on my own. You, you, you've got that independence. Um, it's a whole different level of independence compared to when you're studying at university. So, I'm sure anyone who's done it themselves, they, they can identify, they know what I'm on about here. It was, for me, it was, it, maybe it's cliche, but it was a life, life-changing life adventure. I really enjoyed the, the culture, the people, just sort of getting outside of my box, you know, leaving the UK for an extended period of time and having the world kind of opened up. And I think in Australia, certainly at the time, a couple of years ago, the the economy was maybe tilted slightly more in my favour than it was in the UK. So I was able to pick up, you know, the classic backpacker jobs like bar work, hospitality, working in a warehouse, stuff that I'd maybe been doing in the UK, but I was ending up getting paid maybe twice as much for the same kind of work. So, I, you know, it was great. I ended up saving quite a bit of money and then I was able to use those savings to, to go off on travels around Australia um so i did a classic camper van trip down the east coast which was great um visiting iceland vietnam indonesia um and yeah it was whilst i was whilst i was doing these different trips that i was just experimenting with video playing around with my camera i'd filmed these adventures um so so the whole sort of two-year period in australia and this this block of travel that i did was gave me a lot of time and space to to develop and realize that actually yeah i, I want to be a filmmaker so it, it was kind of like two big things that i came away with at the end of australia was um my love of travel you know the travel bug <laughs> a bit hard and then i realized that my passion was making films as well so so after after australia you did spend some time back in the uk and you, you shot some films while you're in the uk but i guess the big question i want to know everybody wants to know josh is is why are you in lombok when did you move there um, and what's uh, what's kept you there that's a good question after australia I, I came back to the uk and got straight back into the you know the the sort of career path and picked up a nine to five I, I landed a great job as a videographer and marketing agency and in terms of learning the ropes of business, you know, understanding how to work with clients and improving as a filmmaker is a, is a great experience. You know, I was getting paid to do what I would be doing in my spare time, which I thought was brilliant. Um, but, but I noticed it wasn't necessarily scratching this, this travel itch. Um, and as so many of your listeners know, like the travel itch, <laughs> it doesn't go away. So <laughs> we kind of had this 
combination of different factors. At, at the same time, my, my girlfriend at the same at the same time she was finishing off her master's degree. She was studying in Leeds, and she's uh, Layla. She's originally from Lombok, so her visa was ticking down in the UK, and we were kind of presented with this stick or twist moment. You know, what are we going to do? Yeah, I'd visited Lombok twice already whilst I was living in Australia because obviously Indonesia is not too far from Australia in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I really fell in love with the place. I adored the place. And we had this combination of Layla's visa and I was starting to feel like I was maybe stagnating with my job after two years and wasn't necessarily working on projects that I wanted to work on. You know, I'd kind of figured out at this point I wanted to create documentaries and videos that were were based around travel and I wasn't able to do that with the job I was in and I didn't have enough spare time or spare cash to kind of do it on the side either so all of this came to a head we were kind of discussing everything one evening laying it all out and we kind of just arrived at the conclusion of well what's what's stopping us from moving to Lombok you know why not go to Lombok and it's kind of yeah it seemed like a an answer to all our problems and there we go we, we landed on Lombok and that's why that's where I am right now <laughs> so Josh you started the pandemic in the UK is that correct and then you moved to Lombok yes that is correct it was quite the ride in in the UK as everything happened in March 2020 uh, and it, yeah it kind of put a spanner in the works for a fair few months we, we a lot of uncertainty not knowing if we were going to get over there and but it worked out. You know, it took a little bit longer than we thought, but we eventually got here in November 2020. So it was an interesting experience to kind of start the pandemic in the UK and then get here to Indonesia and, and live out. I mean, we're still in the pandemic right now, as you know, but it's an interesting difference to see how different countries are handling it in different spheres you know, around the world. So we'll talk about some of your Lombok films and your YouTube projects in a moment. But one thing that comes across in all of them, Josh, I have to say, is that you really seem to be at home there. You really seem to be love discovering Lombok itself and its landscapes and its cultures. Is that something that you wanted to do, that that was part of the plan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad that that's shown in my videos that you can pick up on that. I think the idea of being in Lombok for me was to, to give myself more time and space to to focus on work that I really love and enjoy. So that is, you know, that's what I'm doing day in, day out here. And I guess there's naturally, I'm just more at peace, more happiness, which comes with that. Um, and I really, I, I love being here. I love being in Indonesia because it's it's so diverse. You know, every island feels like it's its own country in a way. And I've really enjoyed getting to know the people and the culture here. And I feel like, uh, you know, I visited twice previously in 2017 and 2018. And you you kind of like, you can learn so much in a short three-week trip to a country. But having now lived here for over a year, you know, it's kind of like a different level of understanding. And I, I, I'm, the idea of slow travel is definitely growing on me. I think it's something I really like the idea of. If you can spend more time in one place you, you get a much deeper level of understanding and you make connections and friends that you simply couldn't do in the space of three weeks so it's had an impact on me in the way i will travel in the future i think and especially in the sh in the short to medium term with the pandemic longer travel 
is is the way to go and i think it's it could be a benefit to everyone so let's dig into your ongoing travel film series the lombok life josh how would you explain your goals when you were trying to set that up because i watched the first episode of that and you were on camera you were kind of struggling to actually explain what it was you were trying to do but as you've actually gone through the series that's become a lot clearer yeah <laughs> absolutely i think you know i didn't actually know myself as i started it started it i think Originally, maybe I intended it to be just a very casual kind of YouTube vlog style. You know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm up to on the day to day. But it slowly develops and figured itself out. I think that there's a key moment in the second episode I made where we visited the Gillies and we have a we have a chat with a, a guy who's um, washing his horse in the sea, and we obviously got onto the topic of the pandemic and the impact the pandemic has had on tourism in the Gili Islands, you know, very popular destination in Lombok and in Indonesia. As I got talking to him, there was kind of this light bulb moment of, oh, hang on, there's a real story here. And, and just spending a few days on the Gili Islands, uh, that was February 2021, I kind of realized, oh, hang on, my gut instinct was that I wanted to dig in more to the story. And it, it switched from that moment from it kind of went from being a simple vlog style video to more of a maybe there's more of a story to it and it digs deeper and there's a a journalism aspect potentially at the end of the day it's it's a passion project you know it's it's me creating what i want to create because i enjoy doing it um but i describe it now as i've created a a tv travel show but it's in a youtube format and I think that the thing that had started to bug me about my own work and all the travel videos that I was watching on YouTube was there wasn't necessarily that much depth to them, or that, that's at least my opinion, that's how I felt. And I think a lot of the videos that are pushed by the YouTube algorithms or whatever social media platform you might be on, it's kind of maybe the video is just about the person filming, maybe it's about the, the villa they're renting or the five-star resort. And a lot of these videos they kind of left me wanting more. Maybe they're a bit too materialistic or a bit too polished. And it didn't necessarily connect with the country that person was in or where I was. I wasn't sharing enough of the country I was in. So, and I, at the same time, I was also starting to watch Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. I'm sure you've, you've watched and many of your listeners will watch. And there was, you know, this this realization of, ah, oh, this is a travel show. You know, this is, this is how the the real masters do it and so yeah all of this combined and I basically decided that I wanted to try and tell uh, real stories with real people you know I wanted to hear from locals and find out what is it actually like to live here in Lombok so it's got a little bit of an element of vlogging in there but it's my first kind of like conscious effort to create a travel documentary that takes a bit more time to dig deeper into into this area and you know try and give the audience a proper understanding of what is Lombok life and what is it like what's it like to live here so you've got like each episode focuses on a single topic or a story and tries and fleshes it out like almost like chapters of a book yeah that's a really good explanation I think one of the most powerful episodes that I've seen and beautifully produced as well was your documentary about climbing Mount Rinjani you and Layla climbed 
kind of the volcano. And the great thing about that show, I think, was, as you said, it brings in so many different elements. You've got graphics in there, you've got narration, you've got animation, you've got interviews with local people, you've got drone, shot, uh, drone footage as well. And it really tells a much bigger story than the fact that you're just climbing this incredible volcano. But the, the interesting thing I thought about that is it's not an easy climb, is it, by any means? And actually shooting a documentary while you're climbing, actually quite dangerous. What did you think? <laughs> Yeah, it's a different challenge. Um, I previously climbed in 2017 with my mates when I first came here. So I, I knew a little bit what to expect. This time around, I wanted to, to make it more story-driven and involve sort of characters more. So it's definitely, I mean, Rinjani is a tough, tough climb. Um, maybe one of the hardest in Southeast Asia. I haven't climbed that many mountains here, but that's what I've read from other people and it certainly feels like that when you're up there. It's it's not easy, especially when you decide you're going to take 15 kilograms of camera gear on your back. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to make sure I tried to get all those beautiful drone shots and capture all the beautiful cinematics because it, it's it's such a stunning stunning place. You know, one of my favorite places in the world. So it's worth the pain and suffering. You know, logging all that gear up there. <laughs> Yeah, true. As you said there, you, you, you really dug into the, the whole stories of the mountain itself and, and the region. Uh, and unquestionably, the star of the show is Mount Rinjani itself, which is truly spectacular. But probably the best supporting actor is, is your guide, Nihu, who you describe him in the film as truly a man of the mountain. And you interview him at different points during the climb and, and also the descent. But he also came out with some very, very powerful recollections, didn't he, of, of what happened to him when he was climbing uh, the volcano during the earthquake in 2018. Yeah, so Lombok was impacted by a massive earthquake in 2018. I think it was maybe 6.9 or 7 on the Richter scale. Um, so throughout the trip of hiking up Rinjani, it's three days, two nights. He was telling us all these stories about the earthquake and it transpired that he was actually up at the summit with some some of his guests when the earthquake struck, you know, absolutely terrifying to imagine. So he was telling us over the course of three days all these stories and it was very clear that this had, it had impacted him in a big way. And it turned out that this was actually the first time he was going back to the mountain since that, since those events. So I couldn't film all of it when, he, when we were in the moment when we are hiking and he's talking because I had to have Layla translate everything and I only ever had a couple of batteries with me at the time. So I made a decision whilst we were hiking that I was going to come back and, and do a sit down interview with him, which is what you see sort of weaved through. And I think it went well. I think it added a lot to the film. And, you know, at the end of the day, without, without Nahu and the porters, you know, without guides like him, the trip does not happen. Um, it's not on the same scale as, the Himalayas, but, you know, they are effectively Sherpas and you have to give them all the credit, really. So I wanted to focus a bit more on him and, and share his story because, you know, he's had a really tough time. All the guides here have had a very tough time where they used to be climbing Rinjani two or three times a week and it was good money. And then all of that, yeah, it's all gone because of the pandemic. So it's been nearly two years now. So that's two, that's two of the shows you've mentioned there. One was focused on the Gillies. One was focused on Mount Rinjani. What else have you got coming up? What, what are you thinking about for future ideas for the series? I have plenty of ideas. I have a terribly long list. And it's a question of what gets done because I've probably only got so many years in my life. This list is long. But 
Uh, I'm actually right, I'm right in the middle of shooting like a, a second series. So I, I didn't realize at the time that the Rinjani episode is kind of like a nice bookmark ending to the first series. And now I'm working on four or five episodes for a second series um, all at the same time, which is pretty crazy. But as far as ideas for each each film go, it's kind of like I just focus on what I'm naturally drawn to. What am I passionate about? And what do I think other people are going to be interested in? And what makes a good story? And I've always had, with this series, at the back of my mind, I had this idea that, you know, you've got all these different elements of Lombok that come together to help form this sort of comprehensive understanding of the island. So, you know, there's the episode about Rinjani. You've got the episode about the impact of the pandemic. I've done Baunyale Cultural Festival. And in season two, um, I'm going to be focusing on on food because, you know, Indonesian cuisine is, I mean, you could do a whole series on that in itself. And then focusing on coral restoration, diving. And then there's one about the Mandalika racetrack, which is ongoing. So, yeah, these these projects are all going on as, as we speak. Um, so hopefully later this year, there'll be another a second series ready to go. The, the coral side of things is quite interesting. In one of your earlier films, you, you went snorkeling and you mentioned that there was a, a coral garden off, just off, off the, the beach that you, that you found that was, was thriving, whereas a lot of the, the coral gardens have been bleached and are dying, not just in, in Lombok, but around the region. And I think you've also been working with a Dutch marine biologist team. Is that correct? They're doing some coral reef studies there in Lombok. Yeah, so there's a, a Dutch um, Dutch students who've come over. They're actually engineers, and I think one of them is an aerospace engineer and computer technician. They're, there's a few different things that they're studying, but they have come over. They've been here for two months, and they are helping to build a, a coral reef restoration laboratory, which, to the best of my knowledge, I think it's the going to be the first one in Lombok, potentially central Indonesia. I'm not too sure, but... It's exciting. They, they've been here for two months. And so, yeah, I've been involved, getting involved with the coral restoration stuff. In Australia, I visited the Great Barrier Reef and it was a little bit of an anticlimax. You, you kind of realise that a lot of it was dead and a lot of it's bleached. And that was a bit of an eye-opener. You know, it's not necessarily like what you see on David Attenborough's shows. And it's something I've been wanting to get involved with for a while. So, so moving out here, it's it's a no-brainer. You know, you're in one of the last places in the world where there is still like really beautiful diving and pristine coral. Um, so I've got a good friend who's started a foundation called Indonesia Biru Foundation. And the whole stick with that is uh, restoring coral reefs and, and mangroves and, you know, helping with beach cleanups. Um, so I've absolutely loved being a part of that and volunteering. And it's also something I want to keep on doing in terms of my filmmaking is is use my filmmaking skills to give a voice to these projects and causes that that matter to me and I think uh, are really important for, for everyone going forward. I think as I've grown up, my I think my generation, our mandate and our responsibility is that we have to, to do something because if we don't act, then it probably, it really is too late. Um, so we're the ones who have to take take action and in the UK, I wasn't physically a part of anything like this. So it's been great to be out here and actually get hands on and, and really help with this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, certainly the pandemic has really shone a light on the envir- environmental needs um, of destinations where 
we've seen so much trash washed up on empty beaches before that some of these beaches were were busy and they are right now but Bali for example some of the the volumes of trash that gets gets washed up onto the beaches is is just astonishing and that stuff is all still out there isn't it it's crazy yeah unbelievable we had some huge flash floods a few weeks ago and lots of rain and everything gets flushed out through the rivers and suddenly you know you're ending up the beaches look like a war zone and you know even if it's not flooding here there's maybe the ocean currents bring something from somewhere else and yeah it's a it's a real eye-opener you know we've we've all got to play our part and do something about it i mean these this place is so beautiful it's our responsibility to keep it that way and make sure going forward we we do a better job of, of looking after it because at the end of the day tourists are coming here because it's beautiful but they won't be coming in 20 years if there's no coral reef and everything looks a bit a bit messy so and that's another thing with indonesia biru is sort of connecting the locals with the ocean and lots of education about why why it's important and how we can all sort of do our do our bit and look after the environment yeah, really, really uh, essential projects. Good, good luck with that, Josh. As you mentioned there, Lombok is a beautiful island, but it's always kind of sat in, in global terms in the shadow of Bali. But you mentioned earlier Mandalika and the racing circuit that's being built there. We'll come back to that in a minute. But Mandalika itself has been designated as one of these priority regions for tourism development across Indonesia. I think there are five high priority regions and that's one of those uh, i guess you've been out there having a look around at what's happening what what what, uh, what can you report back josh what's going on over there yeah so as you mentioned they the the indonesian government has seen the the boom and the success of bali and they're, they're looking to replicate that and that they've chosen the mandalika as a as a place to do that so as you can imagine i mean that there's the scale of things there at the moment in regards to construction and everything is being developed you know the infrastructure the roads there's new hotels popping up everywhere uh, it feels like a big one big construction site when you head down there sometimes there's, there's a lot of a lot of work going on and it's interesting to see just how much it's changed over the, over the past three years there's a lot of activity and everyone's everyone's talking about it on the island and even further afield how far is that from you, Josh, and where you actually are right now? Um, I'm based near Sangigi on the west coast, so Mandalika down near Kuta. That is on the south coast. It's about an hour and ten minute drive, kilometers wise, maybe fifty kilometers. I'm not too sure, but not too far really. About an hour and ten minutes. As you mentioned there, they've built this brand new motor racing circuit there, which is going to host the Indonesia MotoGP. I think that that's coming up in March, starting to make a lot of headlines because of the preparations are, are in full swing right now. What's, what's happening down there and how are local people responding to the circuit and the events that it might host? Yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, on one hand, you've got the, there's an obvious excitement around it. You know, you can't drive around Lombok without seeing these huge posters and billboards for the MotoGP. And in November, November just gone, we had the World Superbike Championship. And it was a huge event. You know, that was a sort of a test a test run for MotoGP. And there are a few teething issues, but it really, it went very well overall, I think. And when I was speaking with people there, um, whether they were working or just visiting for the day, and it was, it was clear to me that there is a great, like this great source of prize, you know, to, to put Lombok on the map. And as you said, 
maybe this helps people seem to feel that it helps Lombok step out of the shadow from from Bali a little bit. So a lot of excitement. And then on the flip side, you've you've got what's been quite a sensitive topic in regards to to people who have had to move homes where the, the site of the racetrack has been built. And obviously all of this development is it's shaking things up in that part of the island and lots of people are on the move and that's not necessarily always been easy from what I've read and seen. Yeah, there's a lot of questions about how much will this actually benefit the local people in Lombok? And the answer is we we don't really know yet. Um, from what I've been reading, we don't necessarily even have enough hotels yet to accommodate a full capacity crowd for the MotoGP. So there's been a bit of talk about people potentially staying in, in Bali, which I think is a bit crazy because it takes maybe half a day on a good day to get between Bali and Lombok. So I don't know how that would work. That's just a one-way journey. But if it's, you know, if we're going to be hosting races a few times a year, perhaps it's a, a big couple of weekends on the calendar that do help to to bring in some much needed cash flow. And Mandalika has been, it's been developed as like this, this big destination, you know, a bit like a theme park or a resort, I guess. So I'm not too sure yet whether other parts of the island are going to benefit from this. So when we had the World Superbike Championship in November, other locations, other destinations, such as the Gili Islands in the north, basically saw no impact. They, they were, they didn't really have any extra guests or visitors. So it remains to be seen how much of a benefit it is to the rest of the island. And the Indonesia MotoGP, I think it's in March, is that right? Will you be there? Will you be filming? Yeah, it's in March. I believe I will be. I think so. I was filming for the World Superbike Championship and it was a really interesting experience. And it was nice to see how much everyone enjoyed it. A lot of the Indonesian people were just so proud and excited about it. So it was cool to see that. And I believe I will be. Yeah, I mean, I'm only an hour away. So it's such a it's such a big event with this, this huge international spotlight on Lombok. I'll, I'll be down there for sure. Brilliant. So, Josh, it's 2022. It's a new year with new hopes, new aspirations. What are your aims for this year in terms of travel, in terms of filmmaking? What have you got planned? That's a good question. <laughs> I think, as we were just discussing before we started recording, it's very difficult to plan for next week, yet alone next month. Um, but I, I want to travel more. I'm, I'm sort of tying up this second series of The Lombok Life, and that will be the final series. And once that's done... The idea of being based here in Lombok was always to sort of use it as as a base to then go on and explore other parts of Southeast Asia. And so myself and my wife, Layla, we, we've got our eyes set on um, Vietnam. I want to head back to Vietnam. Uh, Singapore. I've never been to Singapore, so I'd love to visit there. And trekking in the Himalayas is, is a priority. So th- there's trips on the horizon, but it's all a case of you've got the asterisk of if COVID allows for it, you know? So uh, Indonesia is tricky because you you could leave the country this week and then they change the rules overnight and you can't get back in or the quarantine changes so much. So it's a little bit hard to plan. But then, you know, the great thing about being here is that it's such a big country, even if international travel remains a little slow and stop-start, you've got so many great domestic options. Uh, you know, the, like I said earlier, the, the islands feel as if they're individual 
countries and there's a lot of places I still want to explore here. So I'm thinking Borneo, Sumba, Flores, and then one of my friends, uh, Dr. Spencer Wells, he just came back from Raja Ampat and it sounds incredible. So yeah, there's lots, lots of plans and it is just a case of taking it day by day and just seeing what does COVID say? What are the rules going to allow me to do? <laughs> well, that sounds about right. We, we, we'll keep optimistic and just hope that things do do flatten out a little bit over, over the course of the year. So, Josh, we've been talking about your travel filmmaking. I would really uh, recommend that everybody watches some of your films because they're really, really beautifully produced. How can our listeners find you online and, and watch your content? Uh, thank you very much. I, I always appreciate anyone taking the time to watch, and I, I'm glad to hear that you've enjoyed them. So cheers, Gary. In terms of finding where to watch, if you just head on to YouTube and search Josh Edwards Films or type in Josh Edwards Lombok, you'll be able to find my channel. And then I've sort of organized different series and different trips into different playlists. So there's a playlist for the Lombok Life Season 1. And yeah, in terms of other places, you can find me on Instagram, Josh Edwards Films. I kind of try and, try and share some photos and behind-the-scenes stuff. And also on Twitter, I find it's always good to go on Twitter and connect. And there's some great people living in this part of the world. It's been nice to network with everyone. And so you can find me on Twitter, Josh Edwards Film. They wouldn't let me have the S. It was one one letter too many. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for your insights, Josh. Thanks for telling us about your filmmaking and, and life uh, over there in Lombok. Hopefully at some point this year, maybe we'll get to meet, meet up somewhere in the region. Who knows? I hope so. I've, you know, I'm optimistic and that'd be great. I mean, uh, Malaysia is also on my list and Kuala Lumpur. I did like a very quick 12 hour stop over there. So I got a little taste of the food and that was about it. So I'm dying to go back. So that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Always welcome over here. Well, brilliant. Brilliant. Fingers crossed. Hopefully uh, we can make something happen. So that brings us to the end of today's show. Please send us your thoughts and your comments on anything that I discussed with Josh or anything that we missed out. Drop us a message on our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Meanwhile, you can catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalogue on our website, www.seasiatravelshow.com. And of course, you can listen to every episode, including this one, on all the various international podcast platforms. Just search for the Southeast Asia Travel Show on each one. So that's a wrap for today, but Hannah and I will be back on Friday with part two of our 22 for 2022 travel wishlist show. We look forward to seeing you then.